What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Rockcast, powered by Onyx Hunt Maps. Today we have another episode of Tipsy Tuesday here in the latter part of July 2021. And yeah, uh, the latest episode that we just had was the 2021 gear list with me. I just ran through my gear list mostly for the sheep hunt that's coming up here in like a hmm, couple weeks, pretty dang close. Um, so I went through that and a lot of that obviously applies for the rest of the hunts that I'm going to be doing in the West. So check that out if you want to. Got quite a few new Rockslide articles up. We have the Matthews uh, Prima Women's Bow Review. Uh, we have the Sitka Kelvin Aerolite Jacket Review. Um, we have the Hoyt Carbon RX-5 Review from Tony Treach. And then we have Travis Bertrand did the Vortex Fury HD 5000 AB uh, Review. And... Jared Bloomgren did the Vortex Summit Carbon 2 Tripod Review. So those are the new Rock Slide articles that are up. If any of those interest you, go over and check them out. The links will be in the show notes. And then for uh, new products that have just come out, right after I did this last Tipsy Tuesday, Stone Glacier came out with their new Gators. And they look pretty interesting. Go check them out. And on to hot news. So... This is a big one for a lot of people wanting to, to go to Canada or had a Canadian hunt booked and couldn't get there because of COVID last year. It's now going to be open on August 9th. So the Canadian border will um, open to vaccinated Americans on August 9th. Um, so you have to be vaccinated. I didn't even see anything where like if you weren't vaccinated, you could even attempt to cross. Um and then it's going to be open to other international vaccinated travelers September 7th. And it also says that all travelers will be required to produce a negative um, PCR or molecular test within 72 hours of entry. So that's been pretty standard throughout a lot of places that you had to go. We had to do that when we went to Alaska last or last fall. Um, I think it was like within 48 hours. I don't think it was 72, but... Um, Anyways, that's what's going on. If you are going to Canada, I mean, you might have a shot to go now. I would just make sure everything is dialed going into there. Um, okay, on to some other news. Washington State uh, collars a grizzly, the first female in, in 40 years. So last week they caught a sow on the Idaho-Washington state line and they did attach it or attach a radio collar to it. Um, this is a little excerpt straight out of the, the article. Grizzly bears once occupied much of the Cascade and Selkirk ranges, but their numbers were severely reduced as a result of um, persecution by early settlers and habitat um, degrade, degradation or degrade, degradation. Grizzly bears once occupied much of the Cascade and Selkirk ranges, but their numbers were severely reduced as a result of um, persecution by early settlers and habitat de uh, degradation. And said a biologist with the Washington State. And they said, they also said, grizzly bear recovery started in 1981 and it took 40 years to confirm the first known female in Washington. Um, currently, they say in the Selkirk Grizzly recovery, or recovery Zone, there's at least 70 to 80 bears. So, there you go. Um, and then, 
Lastly, which is, this is pretty cool. Wyoming, we talked about this being a possibility a little bit earlier, uh, but Wyoming has changed its minimum hunter age to 11 years old as long as the kid turns 12 by the end of the calendar year. So I think they were, before it was like you had to turn 12 by hunting season, I think. Um, but now they've changed that so you can get a little bit of a jump start on it if your birthday happens to be in freaking December or something. Um, okay. Important dates. July 26th, Arizona's first come, first come, first serve opens. Nevada's first come, first serve opened yesterday on the 23rd of July. And then um, August 1st is when the Idaho leftover deer and elk tags will be available for residents and non-residents. Anything like leftover, you can just buy over the counter. So, okay. Um... On to the hot minute, I'm going to, I've been getting a lot of questions lately about like solar charging and battery packs and things like that for the backcountry. Um, so I'm going to roll through that real quick and then I'm going to throw in a few uh, simple questions that I've gotten or just easy or like one short answer questions, I should say, so I don't get on too much of a tangent. Um, but uh, yeah, electronics and charging equipment. Um, for the backcountry. So I've been using those dark energy Poseidon chargers for, gosh, I don't know, the since 2017, probably 2016. Really, whenever they came out with them is when I bought my first couple. Every one that I have still works. Um, some people have been telling me that there's just quits charging after a while. Um, I did get one that I plugged in and it wouldn't show that it was charging. And I'm like, oh, this thing is toast. Um, none of the lights would light up, but I just left it plugged in for like a long time. I mean, I just plugged it in and walked away and it charged. So it could be one of those things where it's just like so dead that the lights and none of that stuff is going to work. So it's just, it needs plugged in and just left. So if you have one that isn't working, um, just try that for a while. So I like those ones from Dark Energy. Um, Goal Zero also has some good options. I use some of their older options, like the Venture, I think like the Venture 70, I want to say. Um, it was kind of heavy, I felt, for what you got, but they have made a ton of upgrades in the last two, three years. And they have some really good options now. Um, those dark energy ones are 10,000 milliamp. So that's another thing I would say. Um, Anchor is a good is a good power bank. Gosh, another one. Honestly, if you hop on Amazon and you just type in like um, portable power bank and you look right in that 10,000 milliamp range, um, that would be good. You know, they make 20,000 milliamp ones. <clears throat> They're going to be heavier. Um, but the, the 10,000 seems to be pretty good and I will get, I mean, depending on what I'm charging and if I have cell phone service, I freaking blow through battery. Um, but you know, a couple of days, probably like three days if I don't have service. Um, and I mean, might even have to recharge it every day if I do have service. Um, so that just kind of depends. And then as far as like zero to a hundred percent charges, like on an iPhone seems like I can count on three. Sometimes 
One thing you have to be careful about too with these chargers, at least some of them. I have this issue sometimes and then sometimes I don't. Leave that thing plugged in while you're still awake. And then before you go to bed or something, just unplug it, throw it on airplane mode um, or turn it off or whatever. Like if you just leave your, you know, you go to bed at like eight o'clock, plug your phone in, it's charged by nine and then it's just plugged in for the entire night. It seems like it'll drain your battery a lot quicker. So I would definitely look into that. Um, and then solar panels, like people tell me or ask me a lot, like when you take a solar panel and when do you not? Um, that's a really good question. I'm still on the fence about that myself. So it's like on typically on a week long hunt, like a five day venture. If I bring two of those chargers with me, um, those dark energies, sometimes even three, like I know that I'm okay. Like I can get by with that. And honestly, like that's cha- that's charging uh, camera batteries too and cameras and the inReach and like you got all this stuff. So two or three has always been pretty good. Um, but last year I was looking to lighten things up a little bit and I got a solar panel because the, the thought was, and still is, especially going into this Alaska hunt is I have, once you use the charge in those batteries, it's gone. And the only way you're going to replace that is by you know, in the backcountry, anyways, is by solar. So I can either carry a panel that weighs about as much as one unit or then recharge one unit, or I can carry two units. But when that charge is gone, then it, you're just carrying the same exact amount of weight. Um, and there's no charge there for you to use. So things to think about with a solar panel, though, I mean, I'm taking a little bit of a gamble on this going, you know, taking it to Alaska and just solely relying on it is the, the weather situation. If you don't really have solar, like if you don't have sun light, um, you're not going to recharge anything. So things to think about. Um, I think for this early season type stuff that I'm, that we're going to be doing in Alaska, the sun is up forever during the day. And, um, it doesn't sound like it's going to be as like inclement of weather as some other places in Alaska that I've been to. So I feel pretty confident about bringing it. So I got on, um, uh, Amazon last year, bought an anchor 21 watt panel at the time. It was like 50 bucks and now they're like 70. I just looked yesterday, depending on where you get them, um, or who you buy them through, through Amazon, I guess. And, you know, Goal Zero also has panels. Um, I would look at, I got the 21 watt and it seems like I've never had my battery pack like completely drained and then plugged the panel into it and watched it to see how long it took to, to, um, get that thing charged. We've literally, I throw the panel on the outside of my tent and when I leave in the morning, plug it in and we bounce and I come back and the thing's charged and it's pretty dang cool. So, um, I would look at those goal zero, like they make good panels too. If you get on their website or you get like anywhere that sells them, um, blackovis.com sells them, they're rock side sponsors. So you should purchase from them. Um, but they have like really good diagrams of like 
what chargers, which panels would work best for and how long it's going to take to charge things and the, the battery packs, how long, you know, how many times they can charge a smartphone, how many times they can charge a DSLR camera, things like that. So they have a really good like map layout of that. Um, the biggest thing I would say is you have to have the combo. So if at least I should say the combo is going to work the best. So if you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to get a solar panel. And then when I'm glassing, I'm going to lay the solar panel out and I'm going to plug it into my phone. It doesn't quite work like that. I know Goal Zero was trying to come up with some some um, better options for people that I think wanted to do that, where it like has a tiny little battery on the panel itself, so it can supply your phone or whatever you're trying to charge with like either no charge at all or a steady charge. Because what will happen is you'll plug your phone straight into a panel, and then it'll like charge on and off like that's all it will do is it'll just come on and off and on and off and on and off and on and off that's just because there's no battery bank build up if you will or supply to shoot a constant stream to your phone so it's really important that you have both of those and I really think like the best way to do it is just like I said like throw the panel on the outside of your tent when you leave in the morning and plug your phone in Um, and you know, they make other little chargers as well that maybe like they will charge your phone like once and those are really light and you can take those with you. Like when you leave the tent and then you get back and you can plug, you know, your phone and your, the little charger into the charging pack. So you have a little bit of a redundancy thing there. Um, I actually might do that now that I think about it, not to add too much weight to my pack, but, um, yeah, so be sure you have the combo. Highly recommend the combo. Do a panel and then do a, a charger, probably like a 10,000 milliamp right in there. So, okay, hopefully that helped. All right, from Jody J2493 asked a one person floored tent recommendation. Um, I've got to use quite a few of, um, I wouldn't say a lot of tents. But I've gotten to use quite a few, especially in the last couple years going to different outfits and things like that and the tents that they supply. Um, I'm a big Hilleberg fan, so I used the Sulo for a long time, um, probably, well, through like three seasons. I use that Sulo. It's great. It's just like that thing is really bomb-proof. And for some of the summer stuff that I was doing, it was just a little bit overkill and it was like freaking five pounds almost. So... So I went straight from the Sulo to a Hilleberg Neak, which is like right in that three pound range, a little bit more than that, I think. And um, it's technically a two person, three season, um, three season, but it has like the vestibule pitches to the ground type of thing um, to keep a lot of snow and, and things like that coming in. And then their poles are a little bit heavier diameter too than most other three season options like for brands that you're going to find so it's like a really beefy three season option so you get some of those september snowstorms where it's really heavy wet snow um you're you can you're probably still going to be in good shape um so those are the two that that i've used the most and then i used the i slept in the stone glacier um their freestanding tent last year 
Um, I just slept in the new Nemo Firefly um, for a few nights a couple months ago. Um, the Another one that people seem to really like is like a Big Agnes Fly Creek or something like that. One thing to note on some of these really lightweight, like two pound, you know, like two, two and a half pound tents that are three season is, you know, they got that way probably mostly by they're just lighter duty poles and you just really need to be mindful of where you're setting that thing up. Um, because like wind can take them down, knock the, you know, um, bend the poles in half, break them, whatever. Um, and then snow is another thing. So I would try to get into a place where you can get out of the wind for probably the biggest one and then snow, maybe try to get under some trees to where you have a little bit of coverage um, to where you're not just going to get a crazy snow load on those things. Um, but I'm a gigantic fan of Hilleberg again. And there, if I could only have one, it would be that Hilleberg Niak. And that's the one that I own. So anyways, that's all those are, are good options to look into. Um, then from Paul, oh boy. Um, Paul A-Z-Z-O-15, uh, easy water system for a 10-day hunt. So um, just very standard-like, I have a Nalgene bottle with a Steripin. I really like that. For my backup, I always have those MSR Aquatabs. So that's pretty much my base system. Like, I'll, I'll always have that with me. Um, then to add on to that for a 10-day hunt, before I used to just use, like, um, I have a couple 6-liter um, drum light MSR water bags that I would just fill up and drop some aqua tabs in. And I still might use that on, on occasion. Um, especially if we're in a place with like maybe a lot of water and I just need like six liters for camp water. I don't really need to, to carry it with me all the time type of deal. Um, I'll still use that. But I also, last year I got the MSR, um, they're the 10 liter, um, inline filter, like a, a gravity flow system. That was really nice. We actually had to melt snow in it. It has a really wide, um, open top on it that had sort of roll bag style. So I could pack snow in that thing really easy and set it in the sun and, and it melted water into it. And then it went through the gravity flow system, um, into your Nalgene. So that's a really good system as well. Like, the downside of the MSR Aqua Tabs is they do have a taste to them. Um, same as like iodine tablets, like all that stuff is going to have some kind of a taste to it, even though some of them do have like neutralizer tablets you throw in after um, the regular ones. That's supposed to be like a taste neutralizer. You can still taste it for sure. Um, so that's kind of my system. Like for the lightest weight, type of deal do a Nalgene with a Steripin and then have a six liter bladder with those MSR aqua tabs it's like really efficient system you want to bump up a little bit go with that MSR the 10 liter gravity system and that's gonna be really good for you um socks for September from Rick underscore Z 22 I really like the first light compression socks um you know darn tough uh darn tough makes some really nice socks as well um, I've, I use the crispy socks a little bit and really like those. So, um, those are like my three socks basically that are in my drawer right now. So, um, those are really good. And of course, um, 
some of the smart wolves are, are nice as well. Um, okay, from JT Downs 81, best sleeping bag for early season Idaho. Kind of depends where you're at in Idaho. Um, but you know, you can look at something like the 20 degree slick bag from Kafaru. That's probably what I would be running, depending, or the um the quilt from Kafaru as well. Both those synthetic insulation. Kind of depends where you're at in Idaho. If you're in like the southern part, like like I am now, um, you can get away with down for sure. Just have to be a little bit more cautious with it. So there's a lot of different options out there for down. I personally like Western Mountaineering. Um, I have a Badger bag, but that's more of a later season bag versus an early season. Um, but Western Mountaineering has some good options. Um, look at some of the other options too, like Stone Glacier has their sleeping bag. Um, they're sleeping bags now and, um, yeah, but I don't know if there's really a best sleeping bag, right? It's just, it's kind of what style you want to go with. Um, if I was in the market for a bag and I could only have one right now, I would get a synthetic and I would get that 20 degree slick from Kafaru. Um, oh, and then my other half, Leah Piper went in with um, one piece of gear. Oh, the number one piece of gear that if you forget, it'll ruin your hunt. And she said your tag, which is like super true. Um, but I think on a super for real note, like your boots, that could be a really, that could be a game ruiner. Um, just the other day, actually, we went on a hike and I was wearing some like trail runner type type shoes and we were in steep terrain that was a bad that was a bad bad idea on my part um and then gosh what was the other one there was boots and then bullets was the other one that I said um and then on like a non-critical standpoint would be chapstick so you should always take chapstick with you for dang sure um all right that wraps that wraps our questions up um want to thank our sponsor onyx hunt maps of course, for um, sponsoring the podcast and uh, supporting us. So one thing that I we were looking at the other day, we were looking, we're actually going to go scouting today. So I was looking at some, we were looking at topo maps and then we were just looking through the Onyx maps basically. And there was a, we were looking at the satellite and then Leah switched over to topo real quick and it showed up as like there's a little pond or a little lake or something right there. And it didn't show up when we were on the satellite imagery. So I was like, holy cow, that's nice. So don't overlook topo, like just the, the topo only. I know everybody likes to go satellite. I do too, because you like to get a little better feel of what the terrain is. But don't be afraid of going with that topo to, I mean, it'll almost give you a little bit you know, a 15,000 foot view over a 10,000 foot view. Um, so, and you might find little spots like that, that you just can't see on the regular satellite imagery. So go check that out. Uh, season's coming right up also. So get your maps downloaded. And, um, if you don't have Onyx Hunt maps, you should download the app and just check it out, check out the free version. And then, um, whenever you're ready, if you decide to purchase, go to onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt and use the code rockslide at checkout. Oh, sorry. Rockcast at checkout for 20% off. So do that. All right. And upcoming episodes, I just talked to um, Dustin from Mountain Tough this last week and 
gosh, I did another one. Oh, I did trail cameras with uh, Clay Currington. So those, both of those will be coming up. Dustin's will be coming up first. Um, we just talked about, you know, injuries in the backcountry. Um, best way to prepare. Um, some nutritional things, electrolytes, the importance of water, things like that. So that's coming up uh, right away here. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys on the next one.